I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The children of Salmonville are a fucking disgrace. You know what I think it is, actually? It's that movie. You know, the, the Christmas one. Oh, God, uh, what's it called there with the little, little blonde kid where he keeps trying to kill the short good fella and the taller white guy? You know? Ah, oh, God, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know how that little kid keeps creating elaborate traps and hurting those guys? That's exactly what my life is like. Except the kids attacking me aren't defending their homes or learning that the true spirit of Christmas comes from the love we share with our families. No, they're attacking me because their parents gave them fucking airsoft rifles for their fifth birthday. Every time I leave my truck to deliver the mail, I take my fucking life in my hands. And it's just like target practice for those little shits. I've been doing this for decades now, Rutherford. I see what happens. Those kids grow up and they become even worse. Remember when uh, Rick Moranis got punched in the face? Yeah, guess where that guy was from? Fucking Salmonville! Home Alone, that's the name of the movie. God, that was going to fucking kill me. Hello, everybody. I'm Rutherford Winchester, and this is the Salmonville Letter Writer. Last week, we... Rutherford, do you have to do that right now? You know I do, Randy. This is my job. Well, sure, but we have to talk to you about Ivan. Ivan? God. What happened this time? Let me guess. Oh, they're hungry. Oh, Rutherford, you haven't given me food in six days. Stop listening to porn so loud, Rutherford. This isn't why I got into journalism, Rutherford. Fuck, it never ends with them. Haha, <laughs> yep, they do sound like that. But this is pretty serious stuff, Rutherford. Ivan had to chew through their shackles and make a daring escape to the police station. Sounded like pretty riveting stuff. Uh, they're accusing you of holding them hostage. Uh, you can't treat your interns like that. This isn't the 80s anymore. Hostage? What? Come on, Randy. You know me. I know, Rutherford, but this is my job. You're gonna have to come with me. What? You're arresting me? But I'm rich! Rich people get arrested, Rutherford. They just don't get charged. What about a bribe? You really think I'd take a bribe, Rutherford? Do I look like a shill to you? Like the badge means nothing to me? Look, I... Oh, oh, Rutherford, I really had you there for a minute, huh? <laughs> Randy, you fucking... Go oh, oh, boy. Did you pretend you didn't want the bribe? <laughs> I'm not getting arrested. <laughs> no, no, no. Get back to your shackles, Ivan. Here I thought the police were here to, to protect me. <laughs> 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 
Welcome to the Salmonville Letter Writer. Last week, we heard the story of John Johnson, husband of known letter writer target Sally Johnson. John learned of Sally's extramarital affair with town milkman Marky and was killed by Marky following an altercation. John Johnson's body was a mess. His head looked like the inside of a pumpkin when I got there. Just disgusting. Almost as disgusting as a big wet fart. <laughs> Following the death of her husband, Sally Johnson stepped down as treasurer of Salmonville, amid speculation that she'd spent town funds arming a Viet Cong fringe group and on her own lavish collection of private rocks. Citing her old age and wanting to get the truth out, Sally agreed to speak with me one more time, but she would not take the questions in person. Instead, she sent recorded answers to questions that I emailed her. Did I use Salmonville funds illegally? Well, yes and no. It pains me to say this, but yes, I did redirect Salmonville funds to a fringe group in the Viet Cong, but in my defense, everyone knew about that. I'm not sure why she used a voice emulator, but she's a very busy woman, so I tried not to take it personally. Lester Stanby, town historian and recent graduate of a 12-step course. Yeah, it's pretty much proven without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Sally was arming soldiers in Vietnam, but that's pretty much par for the course in Salmonville. Hell, we sold uh, uranium to the Russians uh, back in the 50s. Thankfully, they didn't do anything weird with it, you know, but, um, hey, brother, did you ever notice that pizzas still taste good when you are sober? Sally didn't directly respond to my question about her spending Salmonville money on her rock collection, but she did send this. I resent any implication that I spent the money on myself. Have some class, Rutherford. I just buried Larry King. Well, I mean, I just buried the pet rock version of him. A lot of people in town wondered, what was going to happen to Mark and the Milkman? That guy creeps me the fuck out. Kind of reminds me of that really tall dude from Big Fish. You remember that movie, Big Fish? I don't know why Tim Burton can't write his own original idea for a movie. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, Marky could not be charged. Well, with Marky, you know, we had a witness to tell us what happened. Marky was clearly defending himself. And to make matters worse, uh, Salmonville didn't have a prosecutor then. Wait, what? Yeah, we just never got around to hiring one. So what did you do when somebody went to trial? Fuck if I know. <laughs> we have one now, though. Sally didn't have much to say about Marky either. People love to say Marky and I had an affair. In reality, there was nothing physical about our relationship. It was more of an emotional affair. Marky had his dogs, I had my rocks. We just shared our mutual passion for these things. My husband John, who I miss very much, didn't realize that I had outgrown him. I wish it had gone different. But his life insurance policy paid out, so, you know, I don't really wish that. Will that sound cold with a voice emulator? Hey, fuck it. Though John Johnson's death was connected to the letter writer case, there was not much that could be done. Once again, the letter writer had evaded justice. They still had a few issues to sort out, though. Who's through that? 
All right, the next one he used to throw something at my head is getting to know what the inside of a plastic bag looks like. Esme Bright wasn't the only one who was sick of the children in Salmonville. Oh, back in the 70s, the children in this town were ruthless. Just absolutely ruthless. The 70s was sort of like the children of the corn era of Salmonville, except the kids weren't walking around all slow. They were like really fast. They were mean too, dude. They used to call me sugar tits and throw rocks at me back then. To this day, I've been lobbying for mail carriers to be provided with essential equipment such as riot gear and guns. Big ones. But no, they're all too worried about Amazon Prime. Ah, fucking blow me. Uh, what? I, it just, it seems a little fast, Esme. Oh, Jesus Christ, Rutherford, shut the fuck up. What are you, five years old? It's an expression. Oh, I knew that. In the midst of the letter writer's reign, Billy Parker of North Salmonville was eight years old. You know, when you're a kid, you're in your own little world. Or at least it felt that way. You know, I was just uh, having a blast back then. Today, Billy is now an inmate at Salmonville's largest maximum security prison, of which there are four. Yes, my grandfather built four prisons in Salmonville. No, he did not build any hospitals. Yes, one of the four prisons was originally a hospital that we turned into a prison. You want to know why? Because we can't prevent illness, but we can arrest people on trivial charges. Why not go with something you can actually control? I mean, I guess. You know, people in Salmonville are so fucking picky. They didn't know how good they had it with my grandfather until he was gone. Well, gone for now. For now? For now. Grandpapa was cryogenically frozen. You know Ted Williams, the baseball player? He was cryogenically frozen. Around the time Grandpapa's health declined, he arranged to have Williams' body replaced by his. No one in the family knows yet. He would have thought that was really funny. Uh, sorry, that was a tangent. Anyway, yes, Billy Parker is housed in our largest prison. He has a whole staff dedicated to just him. This is the one that Jason McCaffrey was shot outside of. Billy, too, is connected to the letter writer. Everyone in town knew him. Billy Parker, pretty much the leader of the kids in town, he made life hell for people here. But I, I got to begrudgingly uh, respect him. A lot of kids here, they relied on hyper-violence. But Billy was on a different wavelength. Sure, he was violent, but he got into people's heads also. The cops in town knew to stay the hell out of Billy's way. He took a gun off one of our cops once. It was fucked up. Yeah, I remember doing that. The cop wasn't paying much attention because his wife had left him recently or something. One thing even an eight-year-old boy can pick up on, it's easy as hell to mess with a divorced cop. Especially Randy. Yep, it was my gun. Billy gave me a noogie after that. Thankfully, no one was around to see it. He was on a date when I did it. I even ate some of his food. <laughs> and he didn't say shit. I remember Billy... That kid was tough, but I liked him. When I used to take the kids in the school bus down to the track, Billy always broke out and came down to the track to place bets himself. He had a pretty good eye. One time a bookie stiffed and Billy took a pipe to his legs. Good kid. How's he doing? Well, he's killed two people that we know of, so... You know, life in prison, actually. Oh, nice. Nice. Billy Parker? Of course I remember that kid. 
It's not every day an eight-year-old microdoses your godness coffee with LSD and tells him that you're a river monster sent here to kill him. I mean, that guy came at me with a fucking shovel. Billy Parker, that's my white whale right there. That kid was a fucking deviant. He hated me more than anyone else. He fucking zeroed in on all of my insecurities. He'd say things like, Hey, Esme, has your girlfriend come back yet? Or, Hey, Esme, did another one of your cats try to drown themselves in the washing machine on purpose again? God, I fucking hated him. Billy was becoming a problem in Salmonville, but he didn't see it that way. Well, listen, you know, boys will be boys and all that. Look, I understand I was a, I was a little hellraiser, but it's not as bad as people want to make it out to be. You know, I was just a kid doing kid things, all right? You know, messing with people. I was playing at the park. You know, torturing squirrels in the woods behind a double wide. I was just an average American boy, you know? In a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm that kid today. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, there's this guy in the can, this guy, uh, Craig, you know, I, me, me and him, we play fucking, we play catch all the time. Just like little boys play catch with the silverware in the mess hall, you know, I throw him a knife. Sometimes it hits him, you know, that's it, not me, that's not on me. I don't, you know, that's just boyish, uh, good, good humor, good fun, you know. He even made headlines on Salmonville News at 7 with Mindy Marshall and Chet Firestorm, two people who absolutely fucking hated each other, but it was the 1970s, so everyone just assumed it was sexual tension. everyone, and welcome to Salmonville News at 7. I'm Mindy Marshall. And I'm not talking to you. <laughs> He's Chet Firestorm, and if he doesn't stop acting out, he's not going to get his dessert. Oh, fuck you, Mindy. Uh, Chet, where did you learn that word? Go sit in time out. Go sit in time out, go sit in time out. Tonight, we continue our investigation into the children of Salmonville. What is making them so violent? Is it the violence on television? Is it Mick Jagger? Or is it the fact that the legal drinking age in town is five? Last week, a boy by the name of Billy Parker was caught stealing large quantities of fertilizer and gasoline. While he claims these were for a school project, a 35,000-word manifesto was also found on his person. In the past, Billy has been known for his assaults on Salmonville adults, particularly Esme Bright, a postal carrier, and Mr. Brewer, his second-grade teacher. I ask you this, people of Salmonville, is this normal? Well, that was kid stuff. That was just me... Goofing around. Everyone took it way too seriously. But I am uh, I am worried about the deep state, honestly. I think we all should be. Now, I'm an officer of the law, so I really shouldn't speculate. But if I were to take a guess, the letter writer knew about Billy and figured they'd have to make an example of him, too. But remember, he's just a kid. I think this is the only time the letter writer bit off more than they could chew. On July 21st, 1973, Billy Parker received a letter in the mail. Get, guess who it's from? 
If you can't guess at this point, fuck off. Listen here, Billy. You little shit. You'd better cut it out with your little bullshit, Billy. You might be able to fool your parents, but you're not going to fool me. Why can't you just be a regular kid and, I don't know, play hopscotch or something? You know, people here are afraid of me, but they should be afraid of you and your little brat friends. This is a warning, Billy. Leave the adults in Salmonville alone. Signed, The Salmonville Letter Writer. P.S. If one of Billy's parents are reading this, fucking blow me. Fuck you. The letter was strange. It was shorter than the letter writer's usual messages. And this one felt... angry. They clearly had a bone to pick with this child. Perhaps the letter writer was beginning to go mad with power, or maybe they were just losing their grip. But one thing was for sure. They were beginning to let their demeanor slip. Well, that rhymed. That wasn't even intent. Wow. Anyway, Billy did not take to the letter kindly. Yeah, I remember when that first letter came. It was a normal day up to that point. You know, I went to school, went to the park... Through a brick into a busy intersection, I fucking jacked off into a stranger's wallet. The usual stuff for me. But when I got that letter, I saw red. I had heard about the letter writer, but I didn't think about it that much before that. Once I got the letter, I knew I had to figure out, first of all, what it said. Was it that great a reading? Second of all, who it was. And give them a taste of their own medicine. The more I thought about it, I knew it had to be one of the people I messed with back in the day. Now, Billy had a lot of enemies, but... One of the people who had to deal with him the most was Mr. Brewer, a longtime school teacher. Really good guy, too. Dedicated his life to the school. He always took extra time with the kids that needed it. He really was like a second father to a lot of people. You know the movies where a white lady goes to inner city schools and she teaches the kids poetry and shit? He was sort of like the white lady in this scenario, uh, except he could not get through to Billy like at all, like even a little bit. That guy was a fucking loser. He kept coming at me with all this scholarly, feel-good fucking bullshit. Saying things like, Billy, is there a reason you always resort to violence? Or, Billy, I know there's good in you, but if you keep pushing it away, you're just gonna be living a lonely, lonely life. Or even, Billy, you can't bring a machete to school. Stop threatening the lunch ladies and spitting on the janitor. I pretty much came to the conclusion that he was pretending to be the letter writer to try to get through to me or some shit. Meeting me halfway fucking loser. I needed this guy to know that I wasn't going to fall for his bullshit. Now, by all accounts, Brewer was a nice man who just wanted to help, and this letter seemed different than any of the previous messages sent out by the letter writer in the past. Though we can't know for sure, it's a safe bet to assume that Brewer wasn't the one who sent that or any of the letters. He was just doing his best to teach his students in the classroom. I say was because Billy beat the ever-loving shit out of him with a lead pipe the next morning. Man, when I walked into school that day, (laughs) I must have looked like a linebacker getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. Just complete tunnel vision. 
Only difference is, uh, you know, I didn't have as much CTE as an NFL player, so I could see where I was going a little bit better, and uh, I didn't kill myself on the way over. I was already done with Mr. Brewer trying to improve my life, but after that letter, I was dead set on taking care of him. Mammonville's public school funding technically came from federal funding, not state funding. This is due to a law we've discussed in previous episodes called the Salmonville Exemption Rule. However, wanting to further understand the nightmare of the town that Salmonville is, the federal government decided to install security cameras in every classroom. What follows is a clip from the day following the arrival of Billy's letter. All right, kids, I just want to go over the history homework I sent you. Uh, what was the main point of your reading last night? What, uh, the Korean War? Come on, guys, you got this. You know this. Fake. It was a fake war. Didn't happen. I'll give you this one, but it's going to be on the... on the. Hey, Billy, what are you doing? Hey, you, you sit down. I'm not in the mood for this today. Is that a pipe? Billy, sit down! Billy, stop! Billy! Bill, Billy! Why is no one helping me? It was a good day, you know. I felt like I was really advocating for myself. And uh, more importantly, I felt like I was kind of in my body, you know, which is something I've been learning from that app headspace. Mr. Brewer's legs were broken, three ribs were cracked, his left elbow is shattered, and his wife also left him. Now, the last part didn't happen during the beating, but it happened pretty soon after she found out that her husband was nearly beaten to death by an eight-year-old. The school called in Salmonville PD, who had to plan their arrest carefully. Now, obviously, arresting a child is something that has to be done gently. Usually. But, I mean, this kid was a death machine. We had to go about this in a way that didn't end up with anyone else getting hurt. Billy carried around that bloody pipe like it was a trophy. We decided to crush up some sleeping pills into his food at lunch. Yeah, I started getting really tired after I ate lunch. Uh, what the cops don't know is that I often have serious night terrors, and I flail around when I sleep, like uh, Mike Birbiglia. Well, the pills work like a charm, but even half asleep, Billy managed to knock an officer's eye out of his socket. He's had a glass eye ever since. Did Randy tell you that I knocked his eye out in my sleep? Literally, in my fucking sleep. God, I wish I was awake for that. Yep, the officer was me. Jesus, I didn't know you had a glass eye. Sure do. Check this out. Oh! What the fuck? What the fuck? They come out? Oh my god. Oh my god, Randy. Randy, I, I can't help you put that back in. Oh my god. Oh, God, I cracked it. The doctor was so mad last time. Oh, fucking, I can't look at you, man. Jesus. Billy was arrested and charged as an adult with attempted murder. He was represented in court by Michaela Feathers, who still had not gotten her law degree, but no one seemed to care. She's heard here in her opening statement at trial. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury... First off, I hope you guys are enjoying your complimentary beer. I've always found that giving a jury a keg make things a lot looser for everyone. So, cheers. <laughs> Why are we here today? Is it because a child tried to kill his teacher? Is it because the teacher nearly lost his legs? Or is it because we've all forgotten 
how hard it is to be a child. Now, like all of us, you're human. You've probably read the papers, heard the news about what happened. You may have seen my client on the news. You absolutely saw him stab me in the neck with my own pen five minutes ago. But don't let all of that fool you. Especially not my loss of blood. Everyone in Salmonville was glued to the trial, but it was pretty obvious uh, Billy was guilty. That didn't stop the news coverage, but you know. Okay, so before I play a clip from the news that day, it feels worth mentioning that Mindy Marshall was trying to expand on her fan base around this time. Now, despite Chet talking like a baby, his PR numbers were still much better than hers. Hi, everybody. I'm Mindy Marshall, and this is the news. And I'm Chet Firestorm. Mindy, you're not fooling anyone. What? I'm just a real adult baby. This is embarrassing. And you're a big old meanie. Oh, fuck it. You're right. Welcome to Salmonville News at 7. That kid Billy from last night's show tried to kill a guy. Billy was sentenced to five years in minimum security prison for attempted murder. But that charge wouldn't stand for long. You know, I remember thinking five years, minimum security, over and over on the ride to the jail. They thought I was some kind of pussy. So I, you know, slit a god's throat with my coke fingernail on the way over. Billy pleaded no contest and was sentenced to an additional ten years at a regular prison. Again, who do they think I am? A pussy? I'm going to save us some time here. Billy kept attacking prison guards until he was given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Here's the thing about me, Rutherford. I'm the kind of guy who makes sure he gets what's coming to him, even if it's life in prison. You know, I earned that shit. I worked hard. I felt real bad about locking a kid up at first, but this one wasn't too hard to do. Remember, we didn't even have a prosecutor, and we still got him behind bars. The weird thing about Billy Parker is he's sort of like, he became like a folk hero around Salmonville. People are lobbying for his release, even until this day, uh, talking about how he's changed. Well, I see that people want me out of here, and it, it touches my heart, really. But I'm, I'm honestly happy in here, you know? I got a whole life. I keep to myself, and I work on my paintings. He's actually become a pretty successful painter. Uh, very weird uh, motifs, though. Billy is an abstract painter that has devoted his time in prison to painting famous assassinations throughout history. But he adds his own twist. Yeah, so this painting right here, it's uh, the JFK assassination, obviously. But spot the difference. You know, instead of being shot, I painted it myself attacking him with a katana. Because that's how I would have done it if the CIA had hired me instead of that uh, learning disabled guy. Many people in Salmonville are lobbying for Billy's case to be thrown out, citing his age at the time of conviction and the fact that the judge was drunk the entire trial. Order. Order. Did someone take my, my heart pills and, and replace them with Viagra? Because I'm fucking rocked out hard. I'm, I'm, I'm rock hard down here. Order. I'm I'm sorry. Go back to sentencing. I mean, sure. I'd I'd love to get out. You know, I miss my family really bad. And um I also miss killing. Just today, Mayor Henderson threw an event supporting Parker's campaign for freedom. I've been invited to attend. 
but I'm not sure if I'll speak to Billy again in the future. I didn't like the way he was looking at me. At one point, he looked me up and down and said, that's a two-knife kill if I've ever seen one. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for coming. We all know why we're here tonight. Billy Parker, a misunderstood genius. The walls in this room are covered in his art. Look at this, a painting of the Lincoln assassination where the gun that killed him is replaced by a chainsaw. Or this photo of John Lennon on a Shibian. Don't know what that has to do with his assassination, but I'm not an artist. The point is we're all here to raise money for Billy's cause. So everybody relax, enjoy yourselves, and donate. Don't forget to get some finger sandwiches before I eat them all. Mmm, <laughs> egg salad, my favorite. Ooh, is that a ham one? Oh my god, he's choking. Does anybody know CPR? I do. Okay, go give him CPR. Oh, oh, I don't know CPR. I just know what it is. Does anyone else know how to do CPR? Um, is that the one where your chest gets shot? No, that's a defibrillator. How do you know? I'm not a doctor. Then why can't you give him CPR? I didn't say I was a good doctor. Did he stop breathing? Oh, fuck. Well, if he's not breathing, that means he's dead. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Well, the mayor died. <laughs> Next time on the Salmonville Letter Writer, we'll finally reach the conclusion of 1973. The Letter Writer has one more score to settle, and this one is with Kathy Stanford. We'll also say goodbye to all the friends we've made along the way. We might even go to Mayor Henderson's funeral, if we have the time. See you next week. <sighs> oh shit, it's Lester. Lester, hey, I was just going to text you. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy day over here. Uh, but congratulations on one week sober. I knew you could do it, man. What? Ru Rutherford, can you hear me, dude? Listen, I need you to Venmo me $400. This guy at the bar says he has a koi pond. He wants $400 before he shows me the koi pond. I want to see a fucking koi pond. Lester, Lester, come on, man. I know what you're going to do. Let me get... You're about to say, look, look out, out behind, behind you. He's a six-foot-tall beaver. He doesn't look happy. I'll save you. Oh, it was a beaver this time. Lester, this bit has to have run stale by now. I'm I'm really not in the mood, man. I had a tough day. Uh, I... <clears throat> look, just hit me up if you need to be bailed out, okay? <sighs> Fuck. I'm going to call Dad. He'll know what to say. No, no, the, the box, the second box. Huh? Dad, Sorry. Dad, I, my, the mayor died and my friend Lester fell off the wagon again and I just, I'm very upset. I need to talk to my dad. Oh, Rutherford, this is, uh, this is Jack. Jack? Uh, Wait, J Jack? Yeah, um, I'm just at your dad's apartment. We're going over a few things for the next quarter. Why, but why wouldn't you just do that at the office? The office was a little busy, uh, so we figured we would get like a, a little bit of a change change of scenery. 
Um, well, it's Rutherford. Yeah, oh, your dad says hi. Hi, he never says that. Wait, um, okay, but but this is the, the phone number for his bedroom. Why are you in there? Uh, just more space. You know, the lighting's better. It's um, just better overall, um, you know, just better overall intimacy. Um, intimacy, but... No, don't worry about it. No, I'll, I can take it, huh? Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so what's up? You said someone died? The the mayor died. What, why does it sound like you're feeding somebody grapes? episode of the salmonville letter writer you can follow us on twitter at salmonville the salmonville letter writer's artwork is done by graphic designer Haley mulvey you can contact her on instagram for commission work at Haley mulvey underscore design the salmonville theme is written and performed by max shulkoff you can find him on twitter at carl maximilian i'm ben loftus i write the show and play rutherford winchester you can follow me on twitter at diet ben loftus Joining the cast this week, we have Caleb Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at BrainGetter or listen to his podcast, Podcast About List, wherever you get your podcasts. Returning members of the cast include Al Christakis, who you can find on YouTube at Al Christakis, Jake McDowell, who you can find on Twitter at SewerTeen69, Alex Lennon-Simon at SheelaKeyBookie, Callie Webb at OldPalCal. You can also check out her podcast, My Friend the Show, on Apple Music and Spotify. Ivan Tenreo on Twitter as Joanna Newsom 41 Yessi Rigo on Twitter as Portuguese underscore Bruja, Riley Halliday, you can visit her website, thriftsandprints.com, or her Instagram at thriftsandprints, Neil Linsky at Neil Linsky, Neil and another cast member in Salmonville, Alex Forrest, have a new webcomic named People of Beer, which you can follow on Twitter at People of Beer. Sarah Fristo on Twitter at Rodent Sheriff. Jamie Loftus on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help. You can listen to any of her podcasts, The Bechtel Cast, My Year in Mensa, or Lolita Podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Carter Hambly, who also provided additional writing for this episode, on Twitter at Carter Hambly. And lastly, Patrick Doran on Twitter at Lunch underscore Enjoyer. You might know Patrick as the mayor who just died. Interestingly enough, a listener of Salmonville reached out to me last week and told me that if I were to kill off a character, he would get that character tattooed on him. So, Cole, if you're listening to this, the ball is in your fucking court, and Patrick gets to pick the picture. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a mini-episode next week.